Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. As usual, I'm your host, Callan Ellislegger, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jay Crumper. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing uh, pretty well. It's been a busy week for me on my end, moving this whole week pretty much, but uh, finally settled in here and looking forward to uh, another second weekend of uh, baseball coming up. Yeah, that'll be me next week. I'm I'm moving as well, so I guess we've we've all got a lot of the same stuff going on. But other than that, I'm just pretty tired. I was up pretty late last night writing an article, so that'll work as a segue to plug the gift breakdown of Tosh Bradley. So go check that out if you're interested to see how the Rays' number one prospect fared in his major league debut. Jake, that is not a reliever. We don't talk about non relievers <laughs> on this show. Hey, it's possible uh, yeah. the Rays. Exactly. You know that's true. Good point. Good point. But hey, speaking of Rays, our boy got his first two saves this season. Let's go. Let's we're good. Go. We're on. We're back. We're good. We're back on the right track. But on this episode, we're going to get into our usual breakdown of some of the latest trends start off. And we're going to dive into some early season standouts in terms of stashes. Last week, we did some of the uh, closer standouts, of course. Now we're going to go into some stashes. We had a good article on PitcherList.com as to the stashes and next man up. So we want to dive into those. We won't go... T- team by team like we normally do but just highlight a couple names that you should monitor as we get through and we're going to debut a new segment at the end of the show which i think could be interesting maybe come a permanent mainstay on this show uh, as the the season goes on so we'll start off as always with the news and notes again nothing too crazy but you know we'll start out in new york as i watch my yankees lose 11-1 to the minnesota twins but isaiah kiner fluff a pitch so cool uh, but for the Yankees, Jonathan Loisigo was placed on the 15-day IL with right elbow inflammation. Kind of came out of nowhere. He was looking pretty good to start the season, but now he's out of the way. So that clears up kind of the picture as to who the guy would get the ball to Clay Holmes has been. Have you guys kept an eye on that? Who would you think would be the uh, next man up? Jonathan Loisigo was kind of the... Who I was thinking after the beginning of the season, but has that changed with, uh, with his, obviously his injury? I think uh, I, you know, Michael King hadn't looked good the first couple outings, but this last outing was was a good step in the right direction, I think, for him. And Velo ticked up a little bit, and you know, I think it was two innings, two Ks, one hit, maybe something like that. It was it was a good outing, encouraging sign. So I think he can he can stick into in some sort of high leverage role. And you know, Wandy Peralta is kind of the unheralded guy there, who's always just I feel like he just gets the job done from the left side and. Um, other than that, it's, you know, Mar- Marinaccio has, has been pretty good so far this season. So it's, you know, all these injuries are starting to add up, but it's not like their, their bullpens totally, um, you know, just something to worry about. So I think they have some guys that can fill in for, for the time being. Oh yeah, they'll they'll definitely be fine. They they've got the talent to withstand the loss of Loisaga. And I, I think you're right to call out the pitchers that you did i was pretty big on king entering the season so i'm excited to see him get some more play in the late innings uh i I like that he can go multiple innings he's probably the next up Mm. right now it looks like loisaga is not going to throw for a few weeks so we might not even see him for two months which means you know close to the all-star break so it's going to be a while until he's back so that'll be something to watch to see if the yankees start to you know fail as as the bullpen becomes less and less deep yeah we know there's gonna be a change in the bullpen as they had to eat a bunch of guys in the start johnny burrito couldn't even make it out of the first inning but 
We'll see. I I will highlight, like you said, Ron Marnaccio. I think he's definitely somebody who can take a huge step forward this season. He's been really good. He struggled his last outing, but he's got that stuff, and I think he can fill in as a Michael King-type role for this season like he was last season. Any other injury of note, Andres Munoz was placed on the 15-day IL with right deltoid strain for the Seattle Mariners. Well, that clears up that uh, committee. We know Paul Seawold's kind of the guy, but same question for Seattle. Who's the... Is anyone going to compete with Seawold for saves, or is he just the guy right in front? It looks like, yeah, it should just be Seawald. And I think it was starting to trend that way anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I Matt Brash is probably now the next in line or the, the top setup option. And I don't think that they're ready to just throw him into the ninth inning yet. So I think it's going to be a lot of Seawald saves. And it's starting to kind of be a little bit of a concern how often Munoz, he's, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries throughout his career. And last year he stayed relatively healthy, but. Other than that, you know, there's been like one thing after another with him, which, you know, it's, it's kind of sucks because he's just so, so talented. And, you, you know, when he's on the field, he's elite. But, yeah, it's starting to be some some somewhat of a concern with all these injuries mounting up for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like Brash is like the uh, Mariners version of Michael King in that he was like, you know, a starter coming up and he's transitioned to the bullpen and had a lot of success. So uh, I think if whatever you think of King, you can probably transfer that, that over to Brash. I know they're different pitchers, but they, they have comparable stuff and, and both have had shown success in a bullpen role. But it it did seem like Seawald already had control over the closer role, so I'm not sure much changes for him other than that he really doesn't have anything to worry about anymore. But yeah, that really shows uh, how much of a value he was in drafts this past season because he was going so late because everybody was so sure that Munoz was going to be the clear-cut closer there and turns out Munoz didn't even get a save yeah it was very very interesting I know Matt Brash was a I wouldn't say a hot commodity but in terms of uh NFBC leagues he was a a hot kind of a hot pickup on over the weekend in terms of fab so people are speculating and I would agree with you he's for the next man up I could see him like you said, fill in that Michael King role. So definitely someone you want to keep an eye on if you have the room you want to work on your ratios and that's going to be a great play as well. And finally, just a minor transaction. I'm not sure how much this impacts, but Dylan Coleman was option to be minors for the Kansas City Royals. So that kind of clears up the back end. He was expected to be in competition for, I guess, the setup role in Kansas City to get the ball to Barlow or I guess even Roldis Chapman. But now that he's out of the way, Carlos Hernandez kind of has a clear role in there. Am I wrong to think anything like that? No, that's probably what's going to happen. And it's it's a shame because I was really high on Coleman entering the year. I thought he was going to be, he could be one of these, you know, new or these more up and coming uh, relievers that, you know, you can target in dynasty leagues. And yeah, it just didn't really, it hasn't really worked out for him so far. He was pretty good last year, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him again this year. And yeah, for now, Hernandez makes some sense in deeper, deeper holds leagues as a speculative ad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really just put him in there because I was surprised that he got option because he was like Rick said, he was Mm -hmm. so good last year. Yeah. And there's not so many options in Kansas City that you're just like looking for anybody to get rid of so that you can open more spots for somebody else. I was surprised to see him get sent down after struggling across like four appearances or something. So uh, that was definitely a little bit weird to see him see him go. So it's not super fantasy relevant, but 
it, it is something to consider that, you know, basically anybody is up to be sent to the minors if they struggle for like a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we saw not really related. Cole Irving went down for the Orioles on Thursday before you recorded this. That's so. They optioned him? They optioned him, yep. I just what? saw that too. I, I know, I just saw, saw it that too. Discord, yeah. someone posted in there. And Surprising. I may have tried to stream him in a league this week just because he's playing Oakland. And shows how yeah. smart I am. This is why I do the hosting oh, yeah. and you guys do the analyzing. <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for the news. Again, fairly calm week in terms of that. We're nice to see our closers staying healthy, knock on mm-hmm. wood. So let's hope it stays that way as we go along. But we'll move over to three up, three down as usual. Highlight a couple standouts in terms of rising and falling in rankings. Rick, we're going to start with you. Who is your the first guy moving up in the ranks this week? So I'd say I think Evan Phillips needs... I know he had a bad outing the other night in a non-save situation. He came in and let up three runs, but... um. I still think that he's the trusted guy to close out games in LA and just that just that alone um gives him, you know, pretty high floor as far as when you know when you're looking at closers comes. Um and we saw his ceiling last year. He can be one of the better relievers in baseball and the Dodgers have gotten, you know, transformed him into one. So now I think he's in that like Seawald, uh Fairbanks, Duran kind of mix where they're the closer for now. They're the best reliever on their team for now. Um, and if this, as long as this continues and we can trust them as you know full time closers, then we're talking about you know a top five to eight type closer potentially. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in L. I'm sure the the thing is the Dodgers. I don't trust. I mean, they're going to probably change things around and they'll probably go after you know someone at the deadline. But for now, Phillips, you know, if he's still available anywhere. You, you got to go pick him up now. Yeah, not only has he been getting all of the saves, but everyone else in that bullpen sort of sucks now. <laughs> Nobody else in that bullpen, including Phillips, has an ERA below three except for Shelby Miller. Who would have guessed that? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Gratterall was going to be the guy to sort of take the, take over that role so Phillips could be used in more of a high leverage role. And I think the Dodgers probably preferred something like that as well because they, they seem to be one of those teams that value having that shut down reliever that you can use in any inning, but the performance of the rest of the bullpen has sort of necessitated Phillips moving into the closer role. And right now that's huge for his fantasy value because the Dodgers are a team that win a lot of games. And like I said, the fact that nobody else in that bullpen is performing exceptionally right now sort of makes it clear that he's going to be getting all the save opportunities for the near future. It's nice that all the victory laps Jake's been doing over the first week of this of the season can be calm, but for Zarker Adderall not taking that job and running uh-huh. with it. But Evan Phillips, like I said, clear job there. For some reason out there, you need to go get him. He's pitching well enough that our preseason, you know, kind of stashing interest in Daniel Hudson kind of goes out the window. I think even when he comes back, they might just ease him back and just stick with Phillips. So monitor that. That's the only caution I'll throw into that, but as of right now, it's it's clear that it's his job and, you know, really good to see. It's nice to know that that's starting to play itself out now. Jake, we'll go over to you. Who is someone who, in your hypothetical ranks, would be rising up over the past week? Uh, I'm going to stick in the NL West and say Andrew Chafin is probably somebody that would be rising up my ranks and I know is rising up Rick's ranks as well because the Diamondbacks bullpen, which was 
in such peril. I don't know if that's the right word, but there was so much uncertainty in the offseason about who was going to close out games. It seems to be figuring itself out rather than, you know, having a, a real competition. Sort of Scott McGuff just sort of was terrible and nobody else in the bullpen took it and, and Chafin sort of fell into that role and he's yet to allow a run across six appearances thus far. And after being used in a couple late inning situations where he was facing uh, majority left-handers, left-handed hitters, he's now sort of transformed into a guy that takes on not just left-handers. And it, it may be the situation where he's going to take over that closer role. I mean, they're paying him the amount of money that you would expect a, a team to pay a closer. He's closed out games in the past. He's performing well thus far. It'll be interesting to see if he can hold on to that, but I, I'll still be keeping an eye on McGuff because I, I feel like they want him to be the closer so that they can use Chafin in more of a high leverage role. But right now this is sort of same situation as the Dodgers where it's like nobody else in that bullpen is trustworthy right now, but Chafin is, and you really want to hold on to leads at the end of the game. So they've been turning to the left-hander. Yeah, I, I think it's a situation now where he's kind of become the the high leverage guy where he's getting the middle or the top of the order at the end of the game uh, based on, based on at least his last two outings. I know he had the save and then he came in in the seventh in, I think it was the seventh inning. And that was just to face, you know, the middle of the order. So he's probably that guy now for them. And I wonder, you know, I think Joe Mantiply, he's going to be back very soon. That probably helps his case for saves because it at least gives him another lefty. They can trust late in games. Um, and they already have, you know, Kyle Nelson's been pretty good. Another lefty they have in their bullpen. So I, I, I think there's a, there could be a, uh, there could be a, a you know, chance here for Chafin to kind of just lock down either the, the closer role or at least that like late inning high leverage, you know, role that it doesn't really matter left or right. He's going to, he's going to be the guy they turn to. Yeah. He's been great. And like you guys said, the, Underperformance, whatever, guys. Scott McGuff, I know, came in and got the save recently for them, and Chafin pitching eighth. But like Rick said, he's kind of a high leverage guy, which means more is going to fall onto Chafin. And let's face it, McGuff hasn't done anything early in the season to instill any sort of confidence that he can take this job back at this point. So I think it's clearly Andrew Chafin. It's kind of something we've been waiting for because I forget what podcast, but if anyone looks like a closer. Andrew Chafin looks like he can get the high leverage and be sort of like a closer, just despite his physical appearance alone, just with that mustache and the hair. <laughs> Rod back I'm 2.0. All, I'm all in, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in on that. So it's nice to get that. If he's for some reason out there, he's another guy you need to be adding. And the final guy, he won't be, for me, he's not available. You're not going to get him in waivers, but he's rising up the ranks how good he's been. It's Felix Bautista. Since his blow up his on opening day, his first appearance, his next start great wasn't great. He said, Four straight outings now of scoreless baseball, striking out double digits in each of those four appearances. He's looked lights out, and he's throwing himself up there with so many underperformance of you know Helsley at times or Ryan Presley at times. There's guys who are underperforming. So Felix Bautista is jumping right in. He's showing he's not over at completely over at injury, and to me, he's vaulting into that top five conversation at this point in terms of closer. So he's dominant. He's an easy riser of how good he's been. And the Orioles are playing good baseball right now. So we know there'll be plenty of save opportunities. So he's an easy rise to round that up. I'm very, very excited with what I've seen of him so far. I think there's a case to be made. I mean, with the, with the way Classe has looked and I, I, he might be the best closer right now, like active wow. closer in the league. I mean, 
I mean, who else? I'm just trying to think of like who else it might be because Classe is there's definitely something going on there um, that has got me concerned. I mean, he's throwing more sliders than cutters. His velo's down. It's uh, something's going on. So I, I don't know. I think Bautista might be he might be my number one shortly. I don't know. Wow. That is surprising, but I I guess it's warranted. The the people that took the chance on him in fantasy draft sort of in February or so are probably feeling really good now because I remember that was just like the huge talk of where does Felix Bautista go? Like he hasn't pitched yet in spring training. Everybody's sort of worried about him, but this was coming off like a second half last year where it seemed like he was the next big thing in terms of closers that he was going to be the next guy that was going to be like already in the top five, sort of what Emmanuel class a was before the last couple of years where it was like, Oh, that guy clearly has closer stuff is in a role where he is on a team where he can take over that role pretty easily. And Bautista seemed like that guy. And then he just like, got a super late start to spring training and everybody was like, oh, okay, never mind. Like uh, the hype is gone, but you know, he seems completely fine outside of like Callan said that first blow up. And then that Ryan McKenna disaster, which I'm still not over <laughs> that, play, <laughs> that, that game was crazy. Um, but yeah, he, he does seem incredible. He's striking out almost 50% of batteries. He's got a sub two ERA. It's just five appearances, but every reliever sample is a small sample size. So yeah, I, I think it's warranted that he's, almost guaranteed in the top five and it'll be interesting to see where rick ranks him next week yep keep an eye on that you should be getting those uh ranks down the down the road i'm very intrigued if he finally pulls for you does pull the trigger mm-hmm. over next week i'm excited to see that so a little teaser there but with everyone rising up there are people who are going to fall in the ranks and jake will start with you his time who would be someone who's uh coming down with a uh, not so good usage over the past week I'm going to start it off with Scott Barlow. I I sort of agreed on Rick dropping him a little, and it has nothing to do with his performance. A little bit to do with his stuff as his velocity is falling a little, but this is a situation where he's just got that that power creep coming up from behind him with Araldis Chapman performing so well since coming over to Kansas City. He's got his velocity back, surprisingly. He's pumping 100 consistently and hitting 102 miles per hour, hasn't allowed a run, struck out 53% of batters, and he just looks like older Aldous Chapman again. As much as I'll be rooting against him to take over that closer world, just because I don't uh, like him as a person, uh, that doesn't change anything from how the Royals are going to use him. And I think, as Rick said in his article, you know, just takes one or two blown saves from Barlow, who already has a seven year A. And we've got to, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just takes a couple more for him to lose that role and hand it over to Chapman because he's just so clearly back to his dominant self and, and just is the next guy up with no other competition. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, was, I, I don't, <laughs> I think <laughs> Hernandez and Chapman are going to be the, the top two guys here. Ooh. I, I, I Barlow really is not. I mean, at least his velo is starting to creep back up. Um, but the way Hernandez and Chapman are throwing the ball right now, I mean, it's hard to, to, to keep them out of the the last you know two innings. I feel. Um, I don't know, you know, if Barlow like that. The, the the blown save the other day was you know an extra inning situation, so it's a little bit different. But still, I I feel like one or two more bad outings, and the Royals are going to probably look to um. You know, he, he might get some lower leverage 
you know, spots after that because Hernandez and Chapman are just, it's too, they're just being, too, they're pitching too well to keep them. Hernandez is topping out at like 101 right now. It's, it's, it's crazy. And same with, Ch- I mean, Chapman's throwing 102. So, um, you know, they've, they've found something there with those two guys. And I think, you know, Barlow is just, he's got to, he's got to really, you know, work to keep that role right now. It's a shame as someone who has Barlow in a fair amount of leagues and was kind of shopping in that tier of him and Pete Fairbanks. And so that's disappointing to me. But let's also add in, too, the Royals right now are in conversation of one of the worst teams in baseball. So outside of, you know, he's losing the job, even if he kept the job, there's not going to be a lot of saves to go around in Kansas City with how they're playing right now. So even if he had it, how many saves are you actually able to get from him? So I think he's a right follower just in terms of that and that the save opportunities just are not going to come for him right now. And like you said, these guys not coming in. So I think he's definitely someone who should be falling in the ranks. And I'm not sure I would, would you drop him yet at this point? Are you still trying to hold on at this point? Um, I probably in like roto leagues and head to head leagues. I'm, I'm still hanging on mm-hmm. uh, points leagues. Maybe that's different. I, I might, I might look to, to make a switch there. Save plus hold, he's probably not, you know, a top 25, 30 guy anymore. Um, so, yeah, but and save only Roto, you got to hold on for now. Yeah, no reason to go to that extreme because like he, he's still got the closer role. They, they can't just take it away from him for no reason. But mm-hmm. you can do something that rhymes with drop, and that is shop. You can definitely try to trade him away to some unsuspecting victim, knowing that... Uh, <laughs> He's going to lose the role. And while he still has the role, he's still got some clout left. So you can shop him around, see if you can get a bat or a starter in return and then sort of get away from that disaster of a situation. Yeah, very good ideas. Rick, we'll transition over to you. Who has fallen over the past week in your ranks? Um, I'll go with Ryan Presley because I don't. He didn't fall on my ranks, but after I did put my ranks out, he did have another meltdown. And it's not that, you know, I think he got a little, there's a little bad, bit of bad luck in there. And I'm not totally, you know, it's still week two. I'm not totally, you know, losing hope. But um, there is just, just the fact that there's so many other options behind him. And the Astros are obviously, I mean, they're trying to win now. And. I just feel like Presley's use. He might start. We might start seeing some sort of committee there I, I, if you know things don't turn around quickly for him. So I'm concerned. I'm not. I mean, he'll probably drop a little bit next week, but it's it's like no, that's just not nothing's adding up to uh you know where you drafted him right now. It's 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 not looking great. Yeah, this. I mean, at his age, you have to guess that he's going to start regressing. We didn't see much of it last year. It sort of seemed like that at the beginning of the year, but after he came off the IL, he was much better. But if you sort of look back at him through the years, that year that he got traded from the Twins to the Astros when he really fully broke out, he was averaging 96 on his fastball. Now he's not even averaging 94. So it's like a big drop. Obviously, it's like a gradual decline, but it's what you'd expect from somebody in their early. 30s transferring over to their mid 30s so it might just be you know natural regression for a guy that's getting a little older but you know i you gotta have faith in the astros to get the best out of him but right they're a team that has 
very high expectations this year. They just won the World Series. They're not going to back down because they don't want to hurt Ryan Presley's feelings. You know, they're, they're going to turn a Rafael Montero or a Bray or an Aris or anybody else in that bullpen. If things continue to go awry, there's no reason for them to force Presley into that role, especially because they have so many options. So I, I think that's a, a good call, uh, labeling him as a faller. Yeah, definitely. We kind of mentioned it last week, too. Let's not forget opening day. He was shaking his hand, shaking his arm a few times. And I don't know. It's been very interesting. We'll get into some of the those guys for stashing later on. But he's definitely someone that, like you said, all the points are valid. And it's tough. Probably probably can shop him around as well. I definitely mm-hmm. would look into that. And for me, someone that would fall in my ranks and it's a shame as someone who was uh, interested in during the preseason, Carlos Estevez with the Angels. It's I don't know what's going on out there. Phil Nevin has been hesitant to use him three days in a row as usual, but the issue with that is they're bringing him in in non-save opportunities. They're bringing him down by a few runs just to preserve the. They're bringing him up by enough, and then when it comes to save opportunities, whoops, he's not available. And Jose Quijada has now gotten two straight saves or two saves in the past week for the Angels. So. I know it's going to be a committee, but the fact that the Angels just are so willing to use Estevez in games that are not save opportunities or hold even hold opportunities, it's very concerning for me. And again, I don't know if I would drop him yet because it's only two weeks in the year, but I'm definitely putting other Angels relievers on my watch list, probably even grabbing a few this weekend just to stash and taste the change happens. But his usage has been very, very concerning for me. Yeah, it's not, it's not, but it hasn't been a great start. Um, you know, he has to stop walking people. He's allowed a base runner in every one of his outings so far. And, you know, Kahada, at least he just comes in and just throw, I mean, he just throws fastballs and tries to throw them at the top of the zone. And that's his thing. And 90% fastballs stays around the zone, uh, doesn't really mess around with anyone. It's, it's working for him. And, you know, it might lead to some sort of, committee with you know Kahada getting the lefties and Estevez against the right against majority righties but I I still I'm not ready to I'm not ready to give up an Estevez yet just because I don't you know the the whole Kahada Kahada, that that works for some lefties I mean early Josh Hader was kind of a fastball only guy Sean Doolittle's done it it's worked for some guys before but um it's you know you got to really have good command and I don't know if his command's good enough to um to last in that role so i still like esteva as the best in this in this bullpen but yeah the usage so far has been has been weird it's a little perplexing here yeah that doesn't sound like too much of an appealing situation i I sort of just want to stay away from this bullpen just Mm -hmm. not only with you know the concerns about kahada's pitch usage and the concerns about estevez's velocity and his and his inability to throw strikes but also just the history of the way that the angels turn relievers into, I don't even know what they turn them into uh, bad pitchers. <laughs> they just have a, a storied history of, of not being able to uh, have good relievers on their team. So I, I'm, I'm sort of just concerned there. It's sort of just like a curse situation sort of about sort of how the, uh, 
Phillies were before the last couple of years, where it's just like anybody that would land in that bullpen would just become a skeleton and just forget how to pitch. And that's sort of been the case. We've seen that with like, I don't know, Ryan Tapera and Aaron Loop, who seemed like some of the safest relievers in baseball. They've been terrible across the last two years. Maybe not terrible last season. Maybe that's a little harsh, but they've not been great this year and they weren't amazing last year. So I I don't have too much confidence in this bullpen. The Angels aren't terrible. So that's why you don't want to completely count it out. But the fact that saves are being split by two guys that we have little confidence in is somewhat concerning. Yeah, definitely. So keep an eye on those. We'll get into some of the stash in just a moment. So we're gonna take a quick break here on the podcast and we jump when we get back we're going to jump into some of the early standouts in terms of stashes guys you want as the next man up maybe hold on on the back of your bench in case of an injury or a quick hook so we'll dive into those and people stand out in that position especially for holds leagues when we get back all right let's jump into a f- some exciting early closer stashes will start out in the american league these are guys who you can even hold on your bench put on your watch list Guys whose usage in the back end have stood out and stuff has stood out enough to where we're monitoring a situation closely as we move forward. So we'll start out in the American League. Give me one or two guys just who you're monitoring at this point or um, who, you're, who you're trying to pick up right now as a four of those quick hook guys we kind of talked about at the beginning. Um, I'll say, you know, because yeah, Class A is concerning me. Is concerning right now. It's it's not even just the velo. It's just like I, I don't feel like he's trusting his his cutter. Um, you know. So I, and <clears throat> I know Trevor Stefan's pitched well, but I kind of I wrote about him today a little bit, and you know his velo is down two point six miles per hour on the year, and he's not getting swings and misses at all. Um, so I think James Karinchak is still. I mean, he's had he had a couple rough outings to start the year, but I still think he's the preferred, um, you know, guy to 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 handcuff uh, for Classe or to watch because he's the big swing and miss guy there. He he can't. I mean, he, when he came up, we all thought he was going to be the closer until Classe just took over. So I, I still think Karen checks someone to, to watch for. And, you know, other than that, we talked about him already, but Araldis Chapman, I think it's just sooner rather than later. It's, you know, when is he going to take over the role? Because as long as he's healthy and doing what he's been doing, um, he, he, you know, probably is their best option. And not probably, he is their best option in the ninth inning. Yeah. Chapman does seem like the best option in the American League as, as a guy that you could stash for, for saves because not only is he, Probably the best reliever out there that's not in a closer role, but he's also like got the clearest path to a role. So if you can, uh, I don't know, hold your nose and, and pick him up and forget yeah. about all that he's done in, in his personal life, <laughs> um, <laughs> then you can pick him up. But uh, yeah, so that, that that one's pretty easy. I think one that I'm sort of looking at that's sort of sneaky is in Minnesota. I, I love that Yohan Duran's been used as the closer and I don't have any sense that he's going to be losing that role anytime soon. And I don't, I, I don't root for that either because he is a guy that could be, you know, in that conversation with Felix Bautista being the number one closer in baseball because his stuff is so good. Uh, the, the top tier of closers is sort of weak right now. And, and if he's able to hold on to that role as the clear cut guy for the rest of the season, then he's just, 
he could rise super quickly, but there are some great options there. I'm sure Jorge Lopez is owned in a lot of leagues because that was sort of the situation of like the, uh, uh, with uh, Munoz and, and Seawald where nobody knew if the guy with better stuff or the guy with more closer history was going to be the, the, the guy in the ninth in Minnesota. We know how that's turned out, but I think a lot of people drafted Lopez thinking that he would be the guy, but I'm sort of interested in stashing Griffin Jacks. Not only is he going to be great for a holds leagues, but he's looking pretty good. I mean, last year he broke out as a reliever after, you know, coming up as a starter and, that, that that included having re- increased velocity and he somehow increased it even further this year. And so that gives me a little bit of confidence that he's going to be the next guy up in that bullpen. I don't think Duran's going to falter, but like we saw last year, there's the possibility that they use him in a high leverage role and they're like, let's turn to Jax. He's been so dominant this year. We can uh, use our best guy whenever we want. And so that, that's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. And uh, I've also been stashing a lot of Michael King throughout all my leagues. I mean, mostly in like 15 team leagues and sort of streaming him in 12 team leagues. But this is sort of the same case where it's like, I don't think the Yankees are losing confidence in Clay Holmes, but there is the possibility that maybe they want to use him in high leverage situations where he can get them out of jams, getting ground balls or whatever. And Michael King just, you know, continues to show what he showed last year and shows, shows what he has done in the past couple of outings that he can be a guy that could really take over in the ninth. So that's, that's definitely a, an interesting one, but I think I've left, left the easiest one for you, Callan. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get to it. get it though. I was definitely going to talk about the <laughs> twins and we had our issues with uh, Jorge Lopez beginning a draft season where he was going. You look at the usage, he's being thrown in and the seventh inning a lot of times just to get the ball mm-hmm. to Jacks to get it to Duran. So I completely agree with you that, we got all this excitement about Jorge Lopez. God forbid something happens to Duran. I don't know if Lopez is for sure the next guy up. I think Griffin Jacks could definitely step right in, but I guess so. That's definitely one I'm monitoring closely. And, you know, I would agree if you want to stash it the way the Twins are playing right now, they just beat the Yankees. So I'll get them to nine and four. A lot of save opportunities there. So, and holds available. So, you know, I definitely think I would throwing a bit on jacks or something just stash him he's got good ratios at the very least so i'm very intrigued there one question i did have for you guys we talked about ryan presley as a concern so with this houston stash who is your favorite we know montero's been out there we know naris is pitching big innings brian abreu's pitching big innings they have ryan stanick who's still a very solid option back there if you had to pick one astro to stash as the next guy up for uh, Ryan Presley, who would it be? And, you know, probably if it's a saves only league, I'm probably going to go with Montero. Um, I think he would be the next guy to get saves. That's what we saw last year. And based on usage and just how, you know, how he, how he's getting paid, I think he, he would be the next guy up for saves. Um, Abreu, though, in holds leagues, is I, I still like Abreu better. I just think that you know he's a little bit more trustworthy and plus has more you know higher upside when it comes to strikeouts so um yeah i i think that's how i would go about it and i don't naris is still naris is still good he's just it looks like he's he's kind of faded out of the the that that top two top three mix there maybe so um but definitely a guy in you know in your holds leagues naris is still definitely someone that's worth rostering 
this was a question that I answered on on the wire when I was on there with the the one and only uh, Adam Howe and Doug Dennis. And I'm going to answer it the same way. I think if you're going for it's going to be the same way that Rick answered. If you're going for the guy that you think the Astros are going to turn to first, it's Rafael Montero. If you're going for the guy that you think is the best reliever in that bullpen, I think it's Brian Abreu. Abreu has the best stuff. He's got the most strikeouts uh, on the team right now. 44% strikeout right now, right now compared to Montero's still great 32%, but definitely blowing the rest of the bullpen out of the water in terms of strikeouts. And that's a guy that I'd prefer to get the closer role, but Dusty Baker being the oldest manager in baseball, you have to guess that he's going to go with the veteran in that closer role. And like Rick said, Montero's making the most money as well. So he's probably the guy that gets put in that ninth inning role. So I, I, I considered you know, maybe they put Montero in there and then he falters and then it's Abreu. So I still think it's worth it to stash both of them. If you can, it's, it's hard to stash two non-closer relievers on your bench or in your rotation on the same fantasy team. But with the way that Presley has been pitching and like, it just seems like he's going to lose the role or get injured or something. um, One of them is bound to be the closer. And then you've got the next guy up there as well. Uh, I'm not someone who is usually stashing two closers from the same team. I don't really like handcuffing too much. It lowers the ceiling that you have of getting saves and holds and whatnot. But I, I do think Abreu is the, the best guy there. So I would love to see him get the closer role, but I think it's going to be Montero. And before we move to the National League, Jake, you referenced uh, the obvious one or clear one. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that. Who is this? Uh, oh. The that obvious the guy I should have mentioned. Oh, that was the Astros. That was the Astros. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the... See, we're doing this long enough. We're starting to get on the same page. It only <laughs> took about 30 or so episodes. Yeah. So let's go over to the National League then. And Rick, well, as usual, we'll start off with you. Who's uh, What situation that you're monitoring? Who are some guys you're throwing on the back end of your bench at, bench at this point as, uh, as stashes in the National League? Uh, Adam Ottavino definitely sticks out right now because he got the save the other day with Robertson pitching the seventh, I believe. Um, so that definitely seems like that situation's more of a could, could be more of a committee than we at first expected. You know, Robertson got the early chances, and now with Ottavino getting that that opportunity, maybe we're gonna get more of a mix. So, uh, and th- he's pitching; he's been awesome so far this year. He's not gonna hurt you anywhere. So. I think if he gets a couple saves here and there, that just adds to, you know, adds to his value and makes him worthwhile in, you know, some deeper saves only leagues. Um, you know, other than that, you know, the, the, I, I'll, I'll bring up two more and <laughs> one's an obvious one. It's Washington. I think something's got to give there with, um, yeah. Kyle, with Kyle Finnegan. He looked better his last outing. Um, that they're still trusting him, so nothing's changed yet. But Carl Edwards has already picked up a save, and Hunter Harvey's been pitching well. So I think those two guys are their best relievers. And you know, similar with the Kansas City, it's like maybe, um, you know, it, it's just pro- probably a matter of time before there's some sort of change there. And I think Harvey and Edwards should be the back, you know, the last two guys to pitch in the in games when they're winning. So, um, other than that, it's you know I'll, I'll take the Pirates out because Colin Holderman's been awesome this year, and I know the Pirates are winning winning games. Surprisingly, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Um, 
So if they end up, you know, selling at deadline, you know, Bednar's probably someone that they would try to capitalize and, you know, get something for. So Holderman definitely looks like a, a future closer in the making. He, he hasn't had the whiffs yet. He's not. He's not missing a ton of bats, but his if just his stuff plays to to you know it, it it should the whiffs should start you know showing up sooner rather than later with him. So uh, he's definitely an interesting name to to watch out for. Great calls. I think Ottavino is is one of the clear ones there. And I, I can't find the exact quote, but Buck Showalter was saying some weird stuff about David Robertson. Uh, not weird that uh, weird in baseball terms. Um, <laughs> he was just like, I, I think of him as like a, a utility reliever or something. So I, I think, uh, he, yeah, mm. he's unaware of the term high leverage reliever, I think is uh, what yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he wants to use Robertson whenever he can, whether that be the seventh, eighth or ninth. It's sort of up to him. So that leaves Adovino open for at least a few saves throughout the year. And since this is not a situation where it's like Edwin Diaz is going to be coming back at any point, this is a, you know, they could be saving, they could be sharing the role throughout the year. So definitely a good call there. I love the Hunter Harvey call. I have not, I have very little faith in Cal Finnegan holding down this role for the entire year. And I think Hunter Harvey has the best stuff in that bullpen. And the, the, the one that I'd like to call out, I, I'd like to call out, Albert Alzale in Chicago. Mm-hmm. As much as I love what Michael Fulmer's been doing, Alzale's looking really great. And uh, to me, he feels like the the closer of the future right now. So I, I'd be keeping an eye on him, especially because, you know, we haven't seen much of the new Fulmer with his sweeper and, and that kind of stuff. But he's been pretty dominant so far, but you never know what happens there. And I've also been holding on to Scott McGuff in my home league, which is my most important league. Obviously, you got to beat your boys. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, oh, that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fight your friends. Um, Let's move on. No, Let's move on. <laughs> Scott McGuff, I, I, I think he's going to get that closer role at some point. I think that the Diamondbacks want him to be the closer there. Uh, they signed him for a reason. I, I think they're just waiting for him to sort of get over the transfer from Japan to USA and then get his sinker or get his splitter down in the zone and get the fastball out of the middle of the plate. And I think he should have more success going forward. He's started to turn it around after a rough start and they haven't used him in save situations, but I think that could start happening soon, especially as Rick mentioned at the beginning of the show, how Chafin sort of looks like the high leverage guy there. I think McGuff is going to be the guy who takes over the closer role, but don't count out Joe Mantiply returning and being the guy that the team counts on because they have Chafin to use as the high high leverage lefty. They could turn to the all star Joe Mantiply. That's in what I was. Just, I was going to correct you. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> yes. for doing that. I, I literally always refer to him as that now, and yeah. I think I always you will for the to. rest of my life. Yeah, there's always that all star that you're going to look at. I mean, for me, it's always been Brian Lahare for Chicago mm-hmm. Cubs. 2013, 14, so whatever. Back, I just look yeah. back. I'm pretty sure when it happened, people were like, you're going to look back on this in however many years and be like, this guy was an all-star. And he's just standing mm-hmm. out. It's like, oh, right. There's an all-star next to his name. Yeah. It's like the same but, as MVP vote getter Ryan Tapera. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. That you have to always have to bring up when you reference mm-hmm. his name, which I'm ashamed you guys didn't do it when we talked about that bullpen in the beginning of the show. So disappointed in you all. But for me, one standout at this point in the season has been out in Philadelphia. We talked about it at the beginning of the season, and the debate was always Craig Kimbrell, Sir Anthony Dominguez, just one that the three of us have gone back and forth with all, all offseason. But Jose Alvarado has entered in that conversation and has looked the, the best out of the three of them. Now, a lot of the 
the issues have been that the Phillies have not won many games to start the season, and a lot of Dominguez's appearances has been in blowouts just to get him work so he's not sitting for so long. But when Alvarado's been out there, he's been brought into the high-leverage situations as in that back end, and he's been used a good amount. Tom, Rob Thompson has clearly had a lot of trust in him. His last outing wasn't as good. He finally gave up a run, but he's been the guy that there seems to be a lot of trust in him to get that high-leverage role. And we talked about it at the beginning of the show when you have that high-leverage high role that now the Diamondbacks seem to have Andrew Chafin in. Jose Alvarado, if he's in that role, he's going to get in and run into some saves at this point. So, obviously, if you're in holds leagues, there's no reason you should be on the wire. But if he is, for some reason, absolutely get him. If he's out there in your saves league, I might throw him in the back of the bench because absolutely. we know the Phillies aren't going to be this good, they're, excuse me, this bad all season. They're going to find their mm-hmm. way. They're too talented a roster to struggle this much. And if I can get the saves in Philadelphia, there's no reason not to do it. So I'm definitely, if Alvarado's out there, he's someone I'm going to throw on the back of my bench probably this weekend in a couple uh, fab leagues, or so I hope. Yeah, I mean, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been really, he's just not, something's wrong with him too. He's, it's, I mean, he's not, nothing's working for him right now. And Kimbrough's been very medium, yeah, you know, mediocre at best. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's, I think Alvarado and Soto's pitched a little bit better lately, so it gives him another lefty option. Um, and I don't know what the plan is for Matt Strom, but I'm guessing he eventually moves back into the bullpen. So they'll they'll have lefties there if they want to use Alvarado in the ninth inning. I, I think now is the time to to buy in there. Yeah, forget the saves. I'll just take the strikeouts. If yeah, you yeah, add up yeah. the strikeout rates, if you add up the strikeout rates of Gregory Soto, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Craig Kimbrell, <laughs> they're still not. As much yeah. as Jose Alvarado's 68% strikeout rate. Obviously, that won't stick, but that's ridiculous. He's been striking out everyone, and that'll play in any league. You know, Strikeouts are, are, are king in, in baseball, and even if he's not getting any saves, just the, the ratios with strikeouts at that rate or a rate similar to that or even <laughs> half that is, is incredible. So, yeah, I, I, I love the Alvarado call there. Any other standouts you guys want to throw out there before we take another break? Yeah, you know, we should probably, he's on this list. Well, there's two guys on this list I would have mentioned for two different reasons. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos, I think he's been pitching. He's looked really good uh, so far this season. And it's nothing, you know, Ryan Helsley has been great. Um, But, you know, they're not, they're, they're not looking to use Helsley on, you know, they're not looking to overuse him. So Gallegos will still factor into a good amount of save chances, maybe double digits. So he's still someone that's worth a, worth a look. And I see him available in like every league. And it's like, I, I understand why, but at the same time, he's, if, if you know, if you start having some guys get injured or you're just looking for someone to stabilize ratios and help with some strikeouts here and there and maybe get a save each week, then, you know, Gagos is probably a good option for you. And then uh, t- Taylor Rogers, who I had so much, such, such high hopes for, and has just been, yeah, He's actually, I think he's been technically the worst reliever in baseball this year. So um, it's it's really the wheels are starting to fall off for him. It's sad to see. I think he's having trouble with the pitch clock. He's mm-hmm. had a bunch of violations, uh, walking people left and right. I, I hope he gets things turned around, figures it out. But right now, it's it's not looking like he's rosterable anywhere. Hey, if you just flip his strikeout and, and strikeout rate and walk <laughs> and, rate numbers, yeah. he looks really good. <laughs> 5% strikeout rate, 31% walk rate. Yeah, there's de- there's definitely something going on right there. I think he's just got to 
talk to his brother a little because he's got a zero ERA right now. So there's definitely something going on there, but I doubt it's unfixable. And the Giants, the pitching gurus that they are, I'm sure they'll figure it out. And he should definitely be factoring into saves at some point this season if he can, I don't know, get it together. Yeah, he also needs a new glove after he uh, threw out the glove in the dugout <laughs> after that. he got pulled in uh, Wednesday's outing. Good. So there's always some fun highlight reels of that. But yeah, what I've seen from him has been very, very concerning. I know we were talking about them at the beginning of the season as a kind of at this point, a stash, someone we'd want to be with how much we weren't trusting Camilla Duvall. But nope, not at this point. So let's hope he turns things around. I would like to like to see that. So let's take up our final break. And when we get back, we're going to debut a new segment, which we think could maybe be a mainstay on this podcast going forward. But we'll let uh, Jake introduce it when we get back as he's the one who's the creative genius around it. So we'll be right back here on In the Pen. All right. So we're going to debut a new segment. It's something new we've kind of come up with it off of uh, Jake does it on one of his other podcasts and seeing the popularity of some similar stuff on uh, with other media sites we figured we'd break it out here there's not too much uh, news at this point early in the season so Jake it's your it's your brainchild I'll let you introduce it all right yeah I, I appreciate you calling me a genius earlier that was pretty cool um, yeah, yeah so, your friend uh, last week genius now <laughs> Keep the compliments going yeah how are you gonna top that next week I'll find, I'll look up a dictionary. All right. Perfect. Um, yeah. So we're going to debut a segment called Who's That Closer? It's uh, going to be sort of a combination of the segment I do on my other podcast, which is Bring in the Closer. We close out each podcast with like a, a short biography of a closer. It's going to be a combination of like ref guests that you've seen on John Boy Media, where they put up a, a baseball reference page and you sort of guess the player based just on their stats. And also, like, who's that Pokemon? Uh, that's where the. It's where the uh, name comes from. So yeah. we, we got a combination of all those things, and, and I think it should be fun. Um, I guess the rules, I will, you know, read out this stuff. I would say hold off on your answers, maybe like do a buzzer, right? Um, just to give the listeners the opportunity to guess the closer as well before we, you know, get through all of the fair. hints. Yeah. All right. You guys ready? No, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So this closer was drafted by the Boston Red Sox in the 11th round of the 2007 draft out of a high school in Texas. Got any idea on that one? Mm, no. I should. Okay. I should. I should know this as a Red yeah, Sox. Sounds like a, I have ideas, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready That's yet. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. Hey, some of these are going to be like good hints, and some of them are going to be throwing you off. All right. Mm-hmm. Second hint. This reliever or closer debuted in April of 2013. He is also a two-time All-Star and one-time World Series champion. Ringing any bells? Nothing yet. One time, two time All Star. Two time All Star. Um, yeah, keep going. All right. He's got one bit of black ink on his baseball reference page, and that's when he led the American League with 77 appearances in 2018. 77. Okay. <laughs> I have nothing yet. Thought, but I feel like it's in it. All right. Well, I'll, I'll finish off the uh, the guesses. I'll, I'll finish off the hints. I'll let you guys do a couple guesses, and then I'll uh, 
do a couple uh, more hints to make it a little easier. Um, so this closer has 77 career saves and a 3.26 career ERA. And also his real first name is Thomas. So that, I hope that throws you off a little bit. <laughs> Definitely does. Thomas. Um, oh, boy. All right. Let's hear so, some guesses. The first thing that came to mind, but I don't think a couple. I think a couple things don't add up. It was Brandon Workman. Um, but I don't think that's right. I don't know if he's the first one that came to mind for me was Daniel Bard. But yeah. It would be very fitting this podcast for him to use Daniel Bard in this show, <laughs> but I'm not right. sure. I don't know how much I trust the first name being Thomas, but that's gonna. I feel like that's a clue. I'm just gonna keep throwing out because I'm gonna stop thinking about it. So, yeah, so. Brandon Brandon Workman's a, a good call. It's not correct, and neither yeah. is Daniel Bard. I'll give you uh, another hint. This pitcher, this closer, is still active. Ooh, so so it's in the it's in the Daniel Bard range, but uh, you know he, he's he's still yeah, pitching. 2013 debut drafted by the Red Sox 77 appearances in 2018 so pretty can I ask if those appearances were with the Red Sox or not going to be too no he's actually never thrown I figured that for the Red Sox yeah it would have been too easy for Rick it was that 77 appearances in 2018 actually the AL um that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do easier. So I'm trying to think of like AL relievers. No, this is hard. Um, two times, two time All Star. As um, yeah, give us. Give, so has he been only in? Is he? How many teams has he pitched for? He's pitched for two teams, and both of them were okay. in the American League. Okay, that 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 helps a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Huh. All right, it's here totally we go. We talked about him on this podcast today. Yes. Is it, oh, you got some Matt Barnes? No, he's nope. only in the American League. We didn't talk about him either. I know he's on our sheet. Um, Wait a minute. Did the Red Sox draft Ryan Presley? Yes, they did. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. I was going to say, I remember <laughs> that they did. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well done. <laughs> yeah. That Rick mm-hmm. is the winner of the inaugural episode, I guess, or uh, segment of Who's That Closer. Uh, definitely shout us out on Twitter, at in the pen pod, or at any of our personal Twitter <laughs> accounts if you got it before Rick got it. Um, that'd be pretty impressive. I realize now that I made it a little bit too hard. So next time I'll have... Uh, well- Maybe a, a little bit easier guesses or hints. I, I got to say, though, my Brandon work, Brandon Workman was drafted by the Red Sox in 2007 mm-hmm. and he's from Texas. Oh, um, okay. So, wow. I, yeah, but yeah, he, he doesn't. His first name is not Thomas. So, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I did not know Ryan Presley's first name was Thomas. That's, I didn't either. I didn't, I didn't know that either. I'm, I'm looking at Daniel Bard right now to see if I got anything close. Uh, his debut was not in 2013. He's not from he's Texas. A, he, um, he was a little bit. I was going to say Jonathan, Jonathan Papelbon came to mind, but I was like, no, that's way too late. Oh, he's from Texas. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, Bardis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We got something Every, right. Everyone's from Texas. A lot of these that's pictures. Yeah. Except yeah. us. We are not from Texas, but 
So yeah, shout us out if you like the segment. If you have suggestions, you can tweet at one of us personally, and we'll rotate it so Jake's not always. So you can try and get into the guessing. We'll maybe make us the mainstay moving forward. But you have a reliever you'd like for us to do? Hit us up on our Twitter, and we'll be happy to see how we can incorporate that going forward. But before we wrap just, it up, we want just just okay. one of us though, not not yeah, all, not you know, just so yeah. <laughs> And if you do, then we'll throw it in the Discord or something and yeah. let the uh, Discord community try and guess if you shout off three. But we'll, we'll see how we can get that moving forward. But before we wrap things up, we want to start prepping for next week, start looking into some things we want to monitor. We've talked about a lot of these things, but going into the third full week of the season starting on Monday, what are some usages, some players you're trying to monitor, anything you're watching for over the next week? Um. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, it's early, so definitely looking for a lot of usage things. And it, we just talked about Adam Ottavino and the Mets, and what Buck Showalter said about David Robertson. So that'll be interesting to see how things, you know, because if you're get you want to you want some shares of the Mets bullpen, they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games. So, uh, interested to see how that works out for, you know you know, fantasy managers moving forward and for definitely for myself as well, because I might have lucked out in, in my NL tout league with AJ puck, AJ Minter and Adam out you know, as my only relievers. Cause so far it's been fine, but um, I was worried about it when I first drafted those guys not getting enough saves. But um, you know, other than that, there's just definitely, you know, Presley seeing him. I want to see him bounce back. I want to see what happens in Kansas City because Barlow Barlow has another bad outing in the next week. I think that change, things could change there real quick. Um, and also, shout out to Alex Lane, who threw really well today. Got a save against the, the Blue Jays just Finally. now. I know. I know. I know. It's good to see him um, pitch well. So that's that's a good stuff for the for him and the Tigers. You mean the Trey Wintinger Chase and Shreve combo isn't sticking around <laughs> much longer. That's, that's, that's not going to cut it. I don't think. No, oh God, it's sadly so bad. It's the team's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, they've won two games. Uh, all the third today. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're catching up to those rays, huh? <laughs> very, very slowly, but surely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll be watching one American League team and one National League team. Uh, the National League team. I'll be watching is the Diamondbacks. I just want to see if McGuff is going to be able to take over that role. Uh, mostly because I have him on my home league team, but also because I think he's got a pretty high ceiling as a guy that could strike out a lot of batters. If he can really like get some confidence back and, and do what he was doing over in Japan uh, on a team that has not been that bad thus far. So I think if he can get the majority of those saves in, in Arizona, then he could be a really valuable guy and he's probably available on a lot of wires right now. In the American League, I'll be peeking from behind the hands covering my eyes at the <laughs> Oakland A's bullpen because that is a dumpster fire. And I just know for a fact that every single person in that bullpen is available on your fantasy wires. And as few games as the A's are going to win, I think they're at three as well. There's going to be at least a couple saves. They've already had one thus far. It went to Danny Jimenez. I was way at the beginning of the season, but right now it's, you know, it's anybody's job. We've already seen Domingo Acevedo land on the IL as well. So that pairs down the options even further. We're down to like Familia, Jackson, May, and Jimenez. And, you know, it, if somebody can get one or two saves across the next week, I might uh, 
I might take the chance. It should be Zach Jackson right now. Oh, was, yeah. We should have brought that up. Zach Jackson's mm-hmm. been pitching well, and no one else is pitching well. So nope. I, I, it should really be Jackson's turn next. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that. Like you said, very much with closed eyes, peeking slightly, maybe one eye open sort of thing. Uh, our Trevor May call is not looking great, guys. I will say that. We've been very, no. uh, very happy about that. But uh, we were very interested in him. So. Not so good to start off, but for me, I talked about a lot about the Angels, Carlos Estevez's usage. I want to see how that changes or doesn't change and to know whether or not I can fully jump ship on that one at this point. It's been such a weird thing to start the season, so I want to really take a look and see how how that goes at this point. And in the NL, it's going to stay at the Phillies. You know, does, does Sir Anthony Dominguez turn things around? Does Jose, Al- Jose Alvarado continue with that? I really want to keep an eye on out there and see, uh, you know, if we get any sort of idea how it's going to be or if the Phillies can start winning some games and giving us a clearer picture at that bullpen. So I, I suppose there are two more teams that I want to wrap up that I'm going to be keeping an eye on moving forward. So. That's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. As always, you can find all our work on pitchless.com. Jake, you shouted out the uh, Taj Bradley gift breakdown. You got anything else you're working on over uh, over the next week or so? Yes, sir. Always. Uh, I'll be doing at least one reliever ranks this weekend, and I also do the first pitch podcast every weekend. So during the week, give Brian Entrican, Bubba, listen. That that podcast is super helpful. Even if you're just trying to keep up with what's going on in baseball, it's also just great to keep you in the loop at, in terms of fantasy. But uh, I do the weekend weekend editions of that podcast, so give that a listen. It's a short one. It's a quick listen. Put it on 1.5 times speed. You might not be able to understand what I'm saying, but you'll get through it real quick. Um, I also you know, write for Baseball HQ and the Athletes Hub, where I do a podcast called Free Baseball. So find all my work at crumplerbaseball.com. I I'm working hard this year, so we've got stuff all over the place. Rick, what about you? Anything else you're working on outside of uh, the usual? Um, No, pretty much just the usual for me. I know Jake's (laughs) working on all sorts of things and just crushing it over there. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, just keep I'm going to be putting out rankings, you know, three times a week and hopefully start to see you know this is the time of year where it's tough because you gotta you you have to be aggressive moving players up and down the list but at the same time it's so early that you you don't want to give up on someone too early so um yeah trying to you know thread that needle of you know knowing when to be aggressive on some new up-and-coming you know reliever that you know we weren't looking at to begin the season versus you know holding on to someone like a Taylor Rogers who has gotten off to a really, really slow start. Yep. And for me, you just got to wait another week and hear my lovely voice. That's about what I've got going on. I'm going to be starting. I said, want to get into those uh, reliever ranks a bit more as the season goes on, but just don't have the time for it at this point. But yeah, I'll be going to do this. I'll be hanging around discord. So as always, I'll shout that out. If you want all the exclusive perks, go to pitchlist.com. Get PL Plus, get PL Pro. Really great stuff. It's been helpful to me to start this season. DFS ranks, DFS projections, Discord, PLV, all that stuff. Pitchless projections, just a lot of great stuff to help you win your leagues and exclusive access to all of us in the Discord and just talking baseball and life with a really great group of people. So I can't recommend that 
higher, highly enough. So that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. We'll catch you all next week as we and I hope you guys wish you the best of luck moving forward. It's fantasy baseball season.